This episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players at Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop Bass Strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop Bass Strings. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. We are grateful and happy to be back for another season. This is a place for all of us bass freaks to chat it up, gain a little insight and inspiration, and have some fun with some great bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul. And today, we welcome my friend Bubby Lewis to the show. Yes. How are you, man? I'm chilling, man. No complaints. I'm alive. Thanks for jumping on here. Oh, yeah. Appreciate y'all hitting me up, man. Uh, I'm a big fan. So, <laughs> Likewise. So uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, I, I've known you for a little oh, while man. now, some years yeah. now. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, oh man, it's been a long time, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think what Nam or bass player live was it? It was some years ago. It was like early 2000s for sure. Yeah, well, it's for good sure. to know you still after all these years. Yeah, I know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about where you've been and and where you're going. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know you were with Snoop for a whole bunch of years, and you mm-hmm. playing with uh, Lupe Fiasco and a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Snoop. How did okay. that come about? How did that come about? Uh, it's legendary and, story, and, man. And how was that? <laughs> <laughs> two good questions well uh it's a legendary story man uh andrew goucher is responsible for you know you know how people have those stories of getting that one you know first break or whatever the first person that kind of gives them a chance and gooch was the guy that pulled the strings on that whole operation man i mean i was out in la i moved from flint in 05 and uh, I couldn't get a gig to save my life, man. Nobody wanted to work with me back then. Like this was before social media. And this was back when it was, you know, it wasn't cool. It wasn't hip to be a nerd. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you, well, what, if you, <laughs> what do you think was one of the reasons? What now, now knowing what you know? I mean, uh, like one of the reasons why Goucher helped me or? Well, no, why you think, you know, oh, why no, cool the phone now? wasn't ringing. Yeah. And why uh, it's cool now? Well, at the time, you know, L.A. is a different place now. And I know a lot of people, a lot of like uh, Los Angelesites (laughs) would probably want to agree with this. But, you know, L.A. was a different place. New York was a different place. Detroit was a different place back then. This was this was before social media. And back then, uh, not everybody, but some people kind of had a, you know, it was like a click thing. You know, if you're not from here, if you're an outsider, then we don't want to fool with you. And then back to me being the type of guy I was, you know, I'm still a square, always been a square, always been a nerd, you know, and, and at that time that wasn't cool. You know, it wasn't cool to be into star Wars and stuff like that. And then me, you know, black dude grew up in church yeah, I could play the funk and the R&B and stuff, but I also like playing rock. I like playing country and bluegrass and 
that was weird to some people. <laughs> like, you know, you a black dude, you know, what you doing listening to Dolly Parton? It's like Dolly Parton is cold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say I would say that's being a well-rounded musician, but that's just me. Exactly. That's and that's what I thought. Of. That's what I was taught, you know, being versatile and just being open minded to all the different aspects and you know, genres of music and stuff like that. But it, it at the time, it wasn't necessarily uh, uh, a popular trait gotcha. to have amongst certain musicians and certain people. But, you know, um, but, you know, I'm grateful still, though, man, because that just, it kind of showed me, you know, it, how however you've been treated, if it's been bad, don't treat nobody else like that. You know what I'm saying? If if somebody has done you wrong or, you know, says something to offend you, be be mindful when you come across people that you meet in life, you know, be as kind as you can, you know, so. Um, Learning from was, every situation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gotcha. That's exactly what it was for me, man. But Gooch is like, he was one of the only people out here, man. And Larry Dennis was like the only guy calling me for church gigs and stuff like that. But Gooch literally called me in 2006 in December. I went to go visit uh, my my family's church. This where my who my now wife, but my girlfriend where she was going. And uh, he called me. It was like, I don't know, 2 p.m. Church had just got out. He hit me on my phone and was like, man, who are you playing for? And I was like, nobody. And he was hot. He was like, what do you mean? What about so-and-so? And don't you know so-and-so? And how come so-and-so ain't calling you? And I was like, man. And he kept saying, why? And why are they saying that? And I was like, I don't know. And I mean, I had heard all this stuff. You know, you, Bubby knows how to solo and he knows how to uh, play chords and stuff. So he's going to do that kind of stuff on the gig. And, you know, like that, the... Gotcha you know, the, the hater talk or whatever. So he was, he was upset, man. And he hung up the phone. He was like, let me call you back. And maybe about mm, 45 minutes later, he hit me back and was like, Hey, I got you on Snoop's gig. <laughs> and just like that. Yeah. And just I mean, he like was, that. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I got you on Snoop's gig. They going to call you. And I was like, so what am I auditioning or something? He was like, they're going to call you. you no, know, it's no audition. You're you're the bass player. And wow. that was it. Wow. And sure enough, How did you man, feel, man? How, how, when you got off the phone? Honestly, man, I didn't know what to say. I had told Gabby, um, my wife, we were dating, but I told her and I was just like, Gooch just called me and she was like, wow, that's crazy or whatever. But um it took a few months and then I got a call from Marlon Williams, Mardog, guitar player. And he hit me and was like, Hey, come meet me to get the material. I met him someplace in the hood at like some liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a DVD. It was like, watch this, listen to Chuki, uh, another OG bass player that played with Snoop and a bunch of people. He was like, listen to Chuki and just, you'll be good. And another few months after that, and I was, on the road, on a private jet, flying around Europe. It was crazy, man. I just turned 21. Just turned 21. That That's so, what dreams are made of right there. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that's killer. So how long did you do that gig? Uh, I played with Snoop straight, like, uh, about five years. And then I went to Lupe, and I was doing Lupe Fiasco full time. And then started playing with Janae Iko 
Okay. Uh, which is also very amazing. Everybody I work with is it's been phenomenal. And then reconnected with Snoop in like what was it, 2017? Um for like a he they were calling it like a reunion tour. <laughs> it's yeah. like me and RC Williams and uh like, you know, some of the guys that used to play with Snoop, you know, and once okay. you're a part of like the Snoopadelic crew, you're just a part of the crew. Like even Steve Bruner, Thundercat, like he's still a Snoopadelic to a degree. Everybody, if, Got you, you. if you worked with Snoop, you worked with Snoop. So, yeah. Got it. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. So let's let's go back even further. Mm-hmm. When you started playing bass, how mm-hmm. old were you? How did that come about? Um, I actually... I've always been into music, um, but I, (laughs) this is funny, my brother played organ, keys, and bass and guitar, and I saw him playing bass when I was like, I don't know, seven or something like that at church, so I was like, ooh, I want to do that, and so for one of my birthdays, I think it was my eighth birthday, he gave me one of his basses. I touched that thing for like five minutes and then put it under the bed. Like, <laughs> oh no, it's just like a kid thing. Like, I don't really yeah. care about this. I just seen somebody else with it. So I'm, you know, got it. And, uh, so never played it. And then he ended up taking it back. Cause he was like, man, you ain't playing this. Bass. <laughs> I was like, I don't really care. You know, <laughs> watching Ninja Turtles. Um, but then <laughs> when I turned, uh, 14, I believe, or 13, I wanted to play the drums. Trash drummer. I wanted to be like my sister, though. I wanted to be my sister, but I was garbage at drums. And she was telling me, you know, go listen to Vinny, go listen to Dave Weco and Alex Acuna, blah, blah, blah. And I got this uh, Dave Weco Synergy record, man. And I heard Tom Kennedy soloing on, on the Synergy song in the very beginning. That's how the song starts off as him soloing. And I was like, yo, I want to do that. I want to play that instrument. So my brother was able to talk my mom and dad into actually getting me a bass. They weren't going to do it because they thought I was going, you know. Put it under the bed. Exactly. Yeah. So 14 going on 15 is when I started playing bass. What was your first bass? Uh, It was, oh, man, a Court Kerbo 5. Okay. I've seen those. Court Kerbo 5. And the action was like. (laughs) like 20 inches off the fretboard that's how you gained all that strength man you you are doing some crazy because i follow you on instagram obviously we Mm. connect a lot on there and uh those stretches it looks like (laughs) you're going from the first fret to the 24th (laughs) in just one stretch and i don't know Uh, how you do that and i don't know if it's like some sort of special effects you got going on or superhero power (laughs) some photoshop (laughs) but that's crazy man man. i don't know man that bass though it did it did kind of help me uh get some good conditioning and i'll say that you know having to play shout bumps and stuff like that for 30 minutes straight, you know, at 175 beats per minute, yeah. you know, on them big old terrible strings and <laughs> the action, dude, <laughs> the action was just so bad, but, you know, it was good exercise. Amazing, man. But, um, well, I know you connect or you connected with Mike Tobias. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, you have 
uh, a lot of different bases. <laughs> <laughs> but beautiful, beautiful bases. Sounds you, so, so great, man. Talk about that a little bit. How did you uh, go from the uh, from the Kerbo to the Tobias? Oh, uh, man. Once again, credit goes to Andrew Goucher, man. Oh, okay. At, mm-hmm. at, at my first NAMM show, this was before him calling me for Snoop. This was before this. So this was in 2003. I met him at NAMM. I was playing at, man, I can't even remember the book. I think I was at over at Ken Smith. I, like, I just wanted to see all all the like the dream bases like where i come from flint michigan there was no such thing as like a, a nice base in flint you had to go to detroit you know what i'm saying to mars music or or there was one store that had like the boutique bases but um so for me when i got to namsha i was like oh man i'm gonna get to see yamaha and and you know padula and all this like man i was losing my mind and I think I was jamming at Ken Smith and I had my eyes closed. I was jamming. I can't think of his name. He wears gloves. Um, uh, you, M-Tay or whatever. Um, uh, I can't never pronounce his name right. But well, um, if you can't pronounce it, I probably can't pronounce yeah, it either. But I've I, never I, think, I know who you're talking about. You know, yeah. yeah and and yeah. Like, he's an OG super legend. And yeah. then it was this other cat that I was jamming with at the same time that he kind of reminded me of like Rocco Prestia. And so I had my eyes closed and they gave me a solo. And when I opened my eyes, man, it was like, man, it was just like this sea of people, right? Gotcha. But I saw this big old black dude standing <laughs> outside the window and he was just looking at me and he was just shaking his head and his mouth was open. So I'm like 16, 17 years old. I'm terrified because I've, thought I did something wrong. I thought that's why everybody was kind of looking. Yeah, like I saw cameras, but still I was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? And I put the bass down and he was like, come with me. And he was like talking to me. He was like, just follow me. And this is back when we had the next tail to chirp phones. So I'm trying to chirp my sister like, hey, man, security guard about to put me out. And <laughs> like I didn't know no better. You know, and it's loud and stuff like that. And meanwhile, he bend and told me his name, but I just wasn't paying attention. So he made me sit down at, at Mike's booth and was like, pick up that bass and play. And I was like, but I got to call my sister. He was like, man, just play. Just shut up and play. So I played. And then Mike came and gave me his card. If you ever, you know, are interested in me building you a base, just holler at me anytime. It'd be an honor. And then I realized like, wow, so this is Mike Tobias. This is what Mike Tobias looks like. You know, again, AOL dial-up was probably the only thing anybody had. And I don't know who had a website back then. And then finally after that, the big security guard dude was like, I'm Andrew Goucher. And I was like, Andrew Goucher. I was like, like the legend, like on all the gospel (laughs) records. And he was like, yeah, Andrew Goucher. And I had his name wrong because for years, me and my boy back in Flint used to call him Andrew Gouch or Andrew Gouchy. Uh, we didn't know how to gotcha. say his name right. So, gotcha. yeah, Gooch is responsible for that, man, for MTD. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that, Andrew. man. I love that. Supporting players, supporting yeah. talent. I think uh, I think um, ATN, was that his name? Mm. That e- name? Yeah, that's maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very cool, man. I haven't seen him in years. So, Have you seen him? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. 
so do you have a signature bass? With, yeah. Okay. Talk got, about that. Um, for I don't know how many years, Mike and Dan were telling me that they wanted me to do a signature, and I just kept saying no because, you know, um, you know how sometimes you feel like you got to put in more time to – be deserving (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's kind of like my my thought process but mike and goucher and dan they all just talk to me like dude you gotta you gotta you gotta know who you are you know what i'm saying like and you have to you have to understand like if, if if people appreciate what you do just be grateful for it and say thank you you know so finally in 2000 uh what was it 14 i think Mike hit me and was like, it's time for you to get a signature base. And Dan hit me, it's time. And so I was like, all right. So I got my first one in 2015, dedicated that to my daughter. That's when she was born. And then got another one uh, the following year, got a headless, uh, six string headless signature in 2020, right before COVID. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, now that that was a big uh, big thing for me, man. You know, coming from where I come from, I'm a country boy. You know, just to just for somebody to consider to consider building me a base first and foremost is like, man, you know what I'm saying. But to to feel like I'm I'm worthy of having a signature base, it was really like it's surreal. You know what I'm saying. Uh, um yeah. you're very humble man and you're also an amazing player so you you deserve it man <laughs> so I let's, appreciate uh, uh tell us all right tell us about your best gig and your oh. your your worst gig you don't have to name any names or anything like that but give um, give me give me a little something on each of them uh oh joshy <laughs> 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 Josh, uh, best gig. I, I enjoy every single artist that I've ever worked with, no matter where they're from in the world. But one of the greatest experiences I've ever had was the first time that I relocated to Japan for a tour back in 2016. It was it was the complete package. My daughter had just been born. The artist, uh, her daughter had just been born. Her daughter and my daughter were born three days apart. Literally, my daughter on the 25th and hers 28th um, of August. And so her and my wife were pregnant same time. And she hit me up randomly one day when I was at the beach, said, hey, I got this long tour. I wanted to see if you would come play bass. You know, you would have to move to Japan, though, for like, you know, six months you come for three months and then you can go home and visit and then come back another three months and that was crazy because it's like man you know i got my family and in the email she was like bring gabby and the baby of course so amazing. i was like amazing yeah like right off top it was like okay this is this is like the lord is doing something crazy right and uh that tour man me being such a big Japan nerd, you know, a nerd for Asian culture, you know, all over there, South Korea, Taiwan, China, every place. I I love the culture, but to be in Japan for this long and we end up visiting, I think 51 
different cities around Japan. So like cities that I never even heard of, yeah. you know, and um, to have my family there with me the entire time. Uh, it was, it was, it was amazing, man. Like we, the band and the singers and stuff, we were crying like almost every show because the artist, she has like these really uplifting inspirational songs. Um, and it was, it was, yeah, that probably was the greatest thing I've ever done as far as music is concerned, touring wise, you know, that's amazing, man. Yeah, it was special, man. Full package. So, so did your family, was there like a hub that they stayed? They put us up in an apartment for the whole time. And I mean, it was, it was cool, man. Like if, if I had to go, you know, we stayed in Tokyo, but let's say we had a show in like Hokkaido, just hop on a plane. My wife and daughter stayed back in Tokyo. Um, If we had other shows that were maybe close by, if the wife wanted to get on a bullet train, she did it. Um, it was great, man. I, I wasn't that far away from them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, you just always felt close. But to be in all these beautiful cities and seeing all these castles and, you know, temples and all kind of stuff, man, it was just, it was, and man, we ate so much freaking food. We ate so much freaking <laughs> food. So much, so much Wagyu, Wagyu, let me say it right. Man, that, that, that is a tour. That yeah. is a tour. It was insane, man. But uh, that's where it's at. That's beautiful. Now, worst. Yeah, let's throw it out there. You don't have to name a name. Uh, let's see. One specific instance. Oh boy, hang on. Let me think. Oh, Josh. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We can skip over the negativity. We can skip over that one. I, I mean, I. I I, I mean, we've all had them. We've all yeah, had them. yeah. yeah it's it's been a few. It's been a few. I mean, one of the worst experiences I had is after a tour that ended. Uh, we were in Europe, and the last show was in Kosovo. I have no idea why, but I got sent home on like seven different flights. Oh, no. It took um, you two weeks to get home. It basically like, yeah, like two, three days to get home. Right? Oh, no, that's the worst, especially um, when you're anticipating trying to just get bro, home. Bro, I get it. I get it. I wanted to I wanted to just see LAX so bad. Like I like <laughs> from Kosovo to Germany, Germany to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to London Heathrow, London Heathrow to like what was it like uh Philadelphia it was just like this outrageous I don't need I still don't know why that happened I feel like the artist was punishing us <laughs> I mean I can go ahead and say it so Snoop Snoop used to have this thing like one band one sound right but if one person does something like crazy everybody got to suffer so oh. I feel like maybe that like I don't know I still don't know to this day who did what that <laughs> sounds but, like a tw- <laughs> bro like he, oh. he sent us on this ridiculous ride home bro and i was <laughs> like this first off this costs so much money but i yeah. mean it's ain't like it's affecting him none so <laughs> but what yeah. uh what or who inspires you man you know man i 
I know it may be cliche because a lot of people say it, but I literally I'm inspired by pretty much everything, you know, um, obviously musicians, but I get inspired by I, I get inspired just by people doing what they love, man. I mean, I could see somebody. I got a buddy that owns my favorite restaurant in the United States. His name is Harold. He owns this restaurant called Fudaibo. It's a Japanese restaurant uh, in West LA. And every time I talk to this dude, it's inspiring because I know so much about his story. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, he's, he's a musician too. And he used to tour with Gouche and stuff, but just to hear, you know, just to hear where he came from, he's had pretty much every job you can think of from shining shoes to delivering newspaper to mechanic to you know, all this different stuff, but he ended up, you know, franchising this restaurant that's really famous in Japan. And and I get inspired by him. You know, I get inspired when I see kids having fun. I get inspired when I watch movies, you know, all musicians, you know, I'm I'm literally that guy. Like I just I can go outside and see a tree blowing and I'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like, yeah, you know, let's write a song about this tree. You know what right. I'm <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. So you're staying present. Yeah. You're in the moment. All right. In the moment, man. In the moment. I dig that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what brings you joy outside of music? My family. Um I'm I'm trying to take every day at a time, man, and just cherish the moment that I got with my wife and my daughter tomorrow's not promised for anybody and you know especially just considering what the world has been through these past few years man like it's me and you are here right now but it's so many people that have lost like so many folks so dear to them you know what i'm saying so um I'm just I'm just trying to look at life for what it is, man. Just it's it's precious and just don't take it for granted, you know. So simple stuff, man. I mean, I'm I'm still a square, so I don't do nothing. I don't go out and party or <laughs> nothing like that. I'm literally a dork. But just <laughs> yeah, like just being able to stay home and watch a movie with my wife and daughter is 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 everything for me. You know what I'm saying? And being able to go to Korean barbecue and eat yeah. <laughs> a gang of food and be about to pass out. Like that's, that's enough for me. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. What do you think goes into uh, crafting a, a great baseline? Um, making sure that it's something that makes you feel something, you know, if, if you can make something that makes you feel a certain way, the people listening will feel what you felt, you know, to me, that's what the purpose is of, of writing a song or, or making a bass line or whatever, making, you know, playing a solo, taking a solo. If, if you can, if what you create does something for you, it'll do something for the people listening, you know? And if it's, if you're just making something just to be making it and you don't really care about it, but your, your motive is to, you know, I just want to make some money or, you know, I want to go viral or something like that. That's cool if that works for you, but that doesn't work for me. For me, it has to mean something to me. Um, So that way, even if I put it out there and nobody pays attention to it, I have no regrets. Mm. 
because it did something for me. You know what I'm saying? So having uh, authenticity. Yeah. And uh, it definitely comes across, I think, when people mm-hmm. are genuine. Mm-hmm. In, in Absolutely. In, well, daily life as well as performance. Absolutely. Art. Yeah, man. Yep. Uh, what about other gear? What are you What are you using? Strings, amps, effects. So let's see. Let's go down the list. MTD, uh, GK. Me and you are GK family. Yes, sir. Um, let's see. Bartolini, uh, Labella strings, uh, Roland. Any and everything Roland makes. The keyboards. I can't play drums, but I'll play their drums because I love them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, boss, any and everything boss. I don't care what kind of pedal it is. I don't care what it is. I'm such a nerd for like gear and technology. Uh, v Moda, the headphones, that's also part of like the Roland family. Um, I just got those new uh, Boss Waza Air Bass, the 360 headphones. They're crazy. They're insane. They're I, absolutely I insane. Seen those yet? Right. They they brought them out for guitar, I think, last year, but they just dropped the they're going to be talking more about them too but they just dropped the bass version of them um what else do i let me see i said bartolini uh, oh yeah 64 in ears um software wise studio one which is presonus reason uh i mean of course i use everything else to you know pro tools and all the the main joints but uh I think that's everything. I think I covered everything. You, you have any piece of uh, gear or effects that's really sort of like blowing you away, inspiring you right now? Um, it's been out for a few years, but the GT1B pedal. Uh, let me see. I think I got it right here. Uh, maybe not. But the GT1B is this tiny multi-effects pedal that Boss came out with, I think, in 2016. 16 or 2017 um it's so small and so light but it's got a lot of great sounds in it just like pretty much any boss pedal multi-effects pedal you can make your own sound from scratch does it sound digital or does it sound Um, it sounds it actually does it it has a it gives you that that vintage vibe as far as like uh what do you call it um what are the old pedals called what's the name the term analog. for them? analog yeah it, it it a lot of the sounds have that vibe but then some of the other sounds give you the i'll say this some of the other sounds give you what you like about the digital okay. stuff okay. you know instead of just being like typical digital like it's like oh this is digital but this is actually dope digital you know what i'm saying like New so technology. Sounds, so it sounds good. Yes. Okay. Sounds great. Right. So that that pedal definitely is one that um, I'm still using a lot. And then the SY300, the SY1000, the new SY200. Um, again, any anything boss. Got you. Got you. <laughs> anything that these guys right. drop is like going crazy to me. Cool. Who, yeah. uh, who would you really like to work with um if if i'm being honest man um i would love to work with han zimmer uh alan silvestri 
John Williams, Randy Newman. Okay. Um, so you're, you're, you're trying to score. You're trying all to composers. Okay. composers. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm diehard composer. Nut. I love, I love film composition. And of course, like all my video game and anime composers, uh, Nobu Uematsu, uh, I got a chance to work with Hidenori Iwazaki. That's the guy that did Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy Tactics, um, some of the Kingdom Hearts stuff. Um, yeah, uh, as far as like who I really want to work with, what I really want to do is those guys. As far as companies go, Nintendo, absolutely. Um, toy Animation. <laughs> This is nerd gotcha. stuff. This is nerd <laughs> stuff. I'm, I know you probably was like, oh, I'm sure he's going to say something. No, no. I'm, hey, Dude. man, you do you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's a lot of artists I would love to work with still. Um, but it's it's if I'm being true to myself, it's, it's some stuff outside of, like, touring and playing on records that I want to do, you know. Yeah. Michael Buble, I will throw him out there. Michael Buble. Oh, okay, cool. Michael Buble, I like that cat. A lot. Well, I think if anything, has, if we've learned anything, I think from the last few years is that, mm. especially as musicians, mm-hmm. we do have to step outside of the normal realm of yeah. what we typically do to be mm-hmm. able to even survive. So to just to just take it, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you gotta <laughs> you gotta open up some other doors for yeah, sure. Yeah, you gotta do sure. you gotta do something. So. What uh what challenges you musically and what do you practice? Um man, I'm aside I'm always... from those crazy ass stretches. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, bro, um I'm constantly just trying to get better, man. You know, I don't believe there's a such thing as being like, you know, where you've made it, you know, where you don't have to practice anymore like as if you can't get better at anything i don't i don't believe in that like there's it's impossible for you to just be the best you can be you know so for me i'm just um the stuff that i practice it's nothing in particular i'm just constantly trying to you know see how far i can go see how how much further my creativity can be or can go rather and you know just trying to keep my mind open and and trying to explore things that are unfamiliar to me you know stuff that i haven't heard ever before i'm just trying to see how i can do it and you never know uh how you're going to do it but if you keep trying eventually you come across it and you do it and you're like okay what's next you know what's the next thing i'm gonna do so um the stuff that challenges me is just just trying to is there is there a a specific genre that challenges you a bit more than others? Uh, the truth is all of them can, all of them can, you know, they each have their, you know, the things that are fairly easy to play, but then, I mean, you could find an easy, the easy gospel song. You could find a really difficult gospel song too. You could find an easy rock song. You could find a really, really difficult rock song, you know? So yeah. Um, there's challenges in everything. I think it's just a matter of, you know, me. It's like gravitate to what I like, but also give the stuff that 
I'm not familiar with a chance because that is what it really challenges you. If, if you, if you expose yourself to something that's, that's, uh, you know, new and different, something that you're not familiar with that immediately presents a challenge to you. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So sure. Um, I tell people all the time, they say, you know, man, I'm, I feel like I'm, I hit a rut or I feel like I've, I've plateaued, you know, what can I do? I practice every day and I'm always practicing my funk and this is that and other. And I say, well, stop practicing funk. You know, what, what don't you listen to? Right. Well, I, I can't stand, uh, you know, mariachi music and I hate country music. Well, start playing some country music and some mariachi music then, you know, you start playing it and you start listening and researching, you'll come across something that you like eventually, you know, and then ask yourself, why don't you like it? You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. why don't you like it? Why? Like, is there, is there, is there a real reason why is it the music or is it just because it wasn't popular in your house or, you know, your dad didn't like it or something, you know what I'm saying? So my grandfather always told me he was a musician as well, but he always said, uh, you don't have to like it, son, mm. but you got to appreciate it. You do. Hey, man. Yeah. So you do. That was one you, thing I held on to. Uh, that's so that. true, man. You got to appreciate it, especially, you know, if you, this music, man, like music is all connected. I, I honestly don't understand. Now, granted, <laughs> a lot of music that comes out today, a lot of the rap, I'll say, I don't know what the mess they're talking about. And I don't, <laughs> I absolutely do not condone these dudes rapping, telling these kids to slit their wrists and stuff like that. I think that's stupid. Yeah. But I, their beats be I'll dope. second that. Second yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us can agree to that, but I will say a lot of these beats, they be thumping. Yeah. They be killing. You know what I'm saying? So I can appreciate that. You know, I don't, I don't agree with you telling, you know, a kid though to go, blow up a school and stuff. I think that's ridiculous, you know, and I, I, I can't stand that, but the beats be dope. <laughs> you know? uh, okay. So what <laughs> other bases do you own and play other than MT, MTD? Any? Zero. You don't own any, any other ones? Nope. Okay. The only base I have other than MTD is my very first base, and I don't even have it. My brother has it. Oh, okay. It's my, he put it back under the bed. My yeah, pretty much. My <laughs> oldest brother, he was and he told me a few years ago, Rob, you know I got your base. And I was like, Man, just hang on to it, you know. Got it. I just MTD, man. That's all this in my house. <laughs> what got you into playing six? Uh oh man, I wanted to be like John Patitucci. Ah. I wanted to be like John Patitucci and him and like uh, Anthony Jackson. Um, yeah. When I saw them dudes, I was like, hey, and Nathan East too. I was like, yeah, I, I got to have me a six train. And um, obviously I don't play like them, but you know, I got, I got a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you play? Uh, um, the majority of the time, six or, or are you on a five mostly? Man, I switch up all the time, bro. I don't think I've ever seen you even play a four. I got one. It's in Japan, though. Uh, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> it's in Japan. I'm gonna get. I'm actually gonna get a few more. Um, I want like a, a MTD jazz bass, nice uh, four string. But you know, and and what I've been doing 
um, a lot of the music that I do play, I've become so in love with like having that low B string and stuff like that. And granted, I could just put that on a my four. Like I've done that before, put the low B on my four string. Yeah. Um, but then when I need to like play chords and stuff up in the high register, it's like ah, I'm missing the G. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> got you. But did you, yeah, did you ever take lessons? Uh, no, never. Never took lessons, man. I never took bass lessons. All I did was I paid attention to, you know, the guys that play bass at my church, at my dad's church. Um, you know, they showed me like how to play like certain songs and stuff like that, you know, like hymns and stuff like that. But I never took a, like lessons from anybody. Okay. Do you read? Uh, now I do a little bit, but I need to get back on it though, because yeah, that's that's, um, that's my weakness. Yeah. As Re- well. Reading, like I taught myself how to do it, and then I forgot how to do it, and then I freshened up on it um, a few years back. So I can remember some things, but there there's those little nuances that you would learn in school that you kind of forget about when you teach yourself. You know what right. I'm saying? So. Just got to open the book and brush up, you know. Gotcha. You give lessons, right? Uh, I used to, yeah. Okay. Yep, used to give lessons, yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. All right. What advice uh, would you give a bass player just starting out? Picking up a bass. What? Oh, what's mm. one bass line that you would tell them that they should learn first? Hmm. Oh, I probably would say going back in time and any and everything that James Jamerson played on, study it. Yeah. Study so you can hear how this man maneuvered between these chord changes. And I would say listen to James Jamerson. I would say listen, listen to uh, Anthony Jackson. Um, of course, you know, the greats, Jocko, Stanley Clark. Uh, Charles Mingus. Um, I, I can't narrow it down to just one song because there's so many greats. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I, I would just give them a few few artists to really check out. You know, listen to some Stevie Wonder stuff. You know, some Nathan East, Isley Brothers, the good stuff, the good, the good stuff. You know. Yeah, you got a favorite drummer? Oh man, there's so many. Um, All the drummers I've played with: Bam, uh, Alexander, Carlos, rest in peace, Trevor Lawrence, uh, D. Loke, my boy Fuyu out in Japan, my bro Chris Coleman. My bro, Chris Coleman from, from Saginaw. That's like my family, man. One of the craziest drummers on the planet. What makes him, what makes him a great player? He just, he's unpredictable. You can't, he's one of those drummers where you just, he's just like endless knowledge and understanding of music and, and rhythm. And and he's like the happiest drummer I've ever seen. Like he's he's one of those people when you when you watch him play and you you listen to him, it's like 
you were made for nothing else but to just play drums. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's he's one of those dudes, man. Um, yeah, Chris is nuts, but man, it's a bunch. Mike Mitchell, Eric Moore, Tony Royster. Yeah. Uh, geez, I can go Jerome Flood. I can go up and down the list, man. All the guys I follow on IG, they they all dope. You know, gotcha. yeah, very very cool, man. Well, I want to thank you for doing this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very inspiring. Love your playing. Thank you, and, man. Uh, hope we can hang out pretty soon here. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, you got a you have an album out. Yeah, I got, well, they're older now, but got two albums. Okay. <laughs> two um, albums. Um, working on the on, next one. Okay, good. You're planning working on doing on, another one. Working on the next one. It's pretty much done, man. I just got to <sighs> COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's kind of held up some of the, the production things that I had in mind, but I want to do it right. So I'm not rushing it, you know. Very cool. But, yeah. Man, I appreciate you, and I can't wait to hear what you do. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for listening in to Bass Freaks Podcast. I really do appreciate you all. Stay healthy, spread love, spread joy, kindness, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path, whatever it may be, and just Mm -hmm. play. Until next time, cheers. And a huge thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Make sure you check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Peace.